Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Whenever and wherever it is that you are listening to us, we would like to thank you all in advance. We as fans have always appreciated your input as fellow fans. When you're happy, we're happy. When you're upset, we are too. But sometimes we're just a little bit more honest. We are the Bastards of Boston Baseball. You can find us on Twitter at Bastards underscore Boston. I'm your host, Charlie Smith, coming to you from Providence, Rhode Island. You can find me on Twitter at Smith underscore MLB. Our other hosts for this episode are Terry Cushman, coming to us from Myrtle Beach in South Carolina by way of Wyndham, Maine, and Cody Paulson, coming to us from Houston, Texas by way of Ponte Vedra, Florida. Terry, how are you doing, and where can the fans find you on Twitter? I am doing just splendid, and the fans can find me at Cushman MLB. Fantastic. And Cody, how are you doing, my friend, and where can the fans find you on Twitter? Charlie, I'm doing well. Thank you so much for asking. Uh, everybody can find me on Twitter at the Cody Paulson. How are you doing, bud? Doing okay. You know, I mean, we're riding that high from a really nice, sweet series, and I'll take it. And uh, as always, for our, our uh, episode, we're going to crack it after the series preview of hot takes. So, Terry, why don't you hit us with your first hot take of tonight? What do you have for us? Well, I'm just going to kind of bring my own for this one. And it was something that was kind of weighing on me all weekend uh, as we faced the Yankees for the first time this year, by the way. We've faced everybody else, but uh, didn't uh, see the Yankees till mid-June. But it doesn't feel like it's a rivalry anymore. I just, I think... I think that's over with, you know, what we experienced, you know, in our teens, which was the height of it, you know, the arms race for like Alex Rodriguez and, you know, the Yankees had Clemens, we had Pedro, and then we went out and got Schilling and um, we're not really, it, it just doesn't feel the same anymore. Like, did this series feel any different from the Guardian series, the one before? Other than the fact we won it? I mean, no. I mean, it was very anticlimactic. There was nothing exciting. If you're a first-time baseball watcher, unless you have read the history and understand the Red Sox-Yankees have a storied franchise uh, rivalry, I don't think anyone would have known. There was nothing that blew me away about the series. Cody? I think it has been upon us to kind of carry the water or carry the flame, whatever, you know, the torch, uh, to keep the quote-unquote rivalry alive, right? You know, we had a little bit there with the whole, uh, what was it, Tyler Austin and Joe Kelly. They're like, oh, this reignites the rivalry. And then we, you know, proceeded to sh shove them in a locker that postseason. But these games just don't mean the same things that they used to, which is really unfortunate, right? Like, it's obviously a nice extra bump. It feels like you won a game and a half when you beat the Yankees. And, you know, it feels like you lose two when you lose one to them as well, just because of how much, you know, you dislike that other team. But that's that's just us as the fans, right? The casuals. Uh, but on the field, the product is, like Terry mentioned, you know, very similar just to any other series. You know, it's weird that we're only playing them for the first time here in, in June. But it also doesn't help that both of these teams are, you know, kind of rooting around for that last wildcard spot, right? Like these used to be a perennial pennant contenders. These are going to be teams that are playing deep into October. Um, and that just hasn't been the case for the last couple of years. And I think they've really taken the wind out of the sails, which is which is quite unfortunate, you know, and um I'll always, you know, get get a little extra boost about beating New York, but it uh, definitely doesn't have the same kind of edge that it used to. 
As far as the, the rivalry is concerned, I, I just actually tweeted this earlier today that the best decade as far as baseball rivalries are concerned was between 2000 and 2010. Boston Red Sox were able to win two World Series. The Yankees won, or 2001, 2010. The Yankees won one. Following decade, we won two. But even then, the, the rivalry kind of fell a little flat. There was so much animosity and just fire between those two teams for a decade that I don't think anyone's going to be able to say, oh, yeah, well, this decade was more impactful with these two teams. Absolutely not. I mean, I used to hate the Yankees and why well, I dislike them. I mean, I just don't see them as a threat anymore. They're, they're, it's kind of like the Red Sox. It's like, oh, it's cute. We get to face the Red Sox. We get to face the Yankees. There's no like, oh, man, I, I really, I really want to just burn them into the ground. You know, just I want to just blow them out, you know, shut them out, have, you know, six home runs in the game. And, and that was the, the fire that we had in the 2000s. We just, it's not there anymore. The, the, the years of Pedro and Schilling, I mean, the bloody sock year, madness. Pedro doing Pedro things in, in Yankee Stadium or Fenway against the Yankees. That A-Rod Veritech moment will forever live in my memory. Uh, it, it's just, it's not there anymore. You know, Tyler Austin, I forget what year it was that he smashed the bat and, and you know, Joe Kelly just pummeled him. It just didn't have the same effect. That, that the rivalry is just not the same anymore. That was 2018. Uh, so, yeah. And we, we kind of were, and we did end up facing each other in the, in the playoffs that year. And Judge was coming off of his MVP runner-up. A lot of people felt he should have won it over Altuve, especially as the controversy came out with the Astros scandal. But uh, And then they had Stanton, who at the time was a big powerhouse. I think he did win the National League MVP uh, the season before with the Marlins. Uh, and we had J.D. and Mookie. So it... A little bit felt like a rivalry, but the weird thing was was when we got to October, we had to face each other in the in the ALDS, and uh, the Yankees had to I think beat the um, Athletics in the one game wild card to to play us, and you had the New York New York thing that Judge played outside of our clubhouse, and you know we got the last laugh because we played it in the Dodgers clubhouse uh, when we won the World Series. But but the interesting thing about that year was Twitter didn't exist in 2004. Like the rivalry was on the street corners, you know, flipping off the Yankee bumper sticker people or someone passing by with a Yankees hat. Like the rivalry was real and it was kind of in your face. And I thought, man, what's it going to be like now that we can really go after the whole fan base on social media? And it, it kind of fell flat and the Red Sox win that series uh, three to one. And, and I guess my last observation here is the front offices don't really react to each other. You know, when the Yankees do this, the Red Sox don't have a corresponding big move anymore. You know, I mean, the Yankees get Cole going into 2020. The pandemic hadn't quite started yet, but, you know, they get him. And of course, that's the first bloom year. So we weren't going to do anything, you know, because we had to get under the luxury tax. But and then fast forward to 2021, the Yankees gave us Adam Ottavino for free. They're like, here, just take him. Like the rivalry has to be over at that point when they're giving us their probably third best reliever for free. And they're like, here, have a prospect with him. And of course, that guy ended up being a complete dud. That was Frank German, Frank Herman, however he pronounces it. He's already been 
signed and released from a couple other teams on minor league deals, but it's just the rivalry is over. I mean, the rivalry is really the the Yankees and Astros at this point. And that's been intense. And, you know, uh, it's been fun, even though we're on the outside looking in, it's kind of been fun to watch. Um, the, the Astros swept them last year, so there wasn't a ton of drama uh, in the ALCS. But, man, we're just... We're not relevant anymore. And, you know, we can't even bash the Yankees anymore on social media. Like, who would we be to do that? You know, last place every year and, and we can't. I. It's just, it's not what it used to be. It really isn't. That, that, uh, that other player, too, um, just quickly taking a look at it because that year that we – we we got Frank Herman. We ended up getting uh, a pitcher, Theo Denlinger. That was the guy who came over for Herman. Um, and I, I'm not sure which, if that was with the White Sox or the Yankees. Okay, so it's actually excuse me, I stand corrected. So that was the the Red Sox trade him to Chicago for Theo Denlinger. He's he's doing fine in in our minor league system, but I mean the Reds claimed him off waivers, and I don't think he's doing anything. You're right. It's just. It's a very flat series. I'm excited to see the games. You know, don't get me wrong. I'm super happy. But there was a kind of a sad statistic earlier this year that since uh, Aaron Boone has been the manager for the Yankees, if I'm not mistaken, the Red Sox are 33 and 55 in, in his tenure. We've won less than 40% of those games. How is that a rivalry? Rivalry would be like 48 to 50%. Like if it's actually really, really close, like you really don't know who's going to win those games. The Red Sox right now probably shouldn't win as many games as the Yankees. But that's a crazy stat when you think about it. Cody, I'm seeing your face. Isn't that crazy? Oh, I Is don't that- think it's necessarily crazy that a team has to win 50% of the games for it to be a rivalry. I mean, college football is littered across a landscape of rivalry weekends of, you know, your Notre Dames and your USC's or your Notre Dames and your Stanford's. And those have just been bloodbaths against Notre Dame consistently year in and year out. Michigan, Ohio State, same concept. Clemson, South Carolina, same concept. Georgia, Georgia Tech, like all of these things are quote-unquote rivalry games and one team just beats the brakes off of another. Um, I think what really... That's what's happening. Well, I mean, yes and no, because New York hasn't won anything of significance since 2009. But we just rehashed the the same burns, right? So like there's nothing new happening in the rivalry per se, right? There's no, you know, last... I guess, and you know, I'm not saying the Red Sox aren't to blame for part of this as well, right? The Yankees have been making the postseason consistently. We have not been. The last time we faced each other in the postseason was 2021, right? You know, the reason I think the 2000s were so exciting, it's you, you know, in spring training, you could just circle October and be like, all right, we're going to see these guys again. And, you know, here's the next chapter in, in this story, you know, and it just hasn't been the case with the same frequency, right? So, like, as more and more years go by before we kind of add the next chapter, it's, it's hard to say, yeah, well, you know, you guys still haven't won it since 2009. You're like, okay, cool, dude. It's like the same Babe Ruth bar. Like it's old, get new material. I don't know. I feel that Terry, go ahead. The other interesting thing here, and it's kind of hilarious at this point, Brian Cashman has been the general manager of the New York Yankees since 1998. So the first, I think, George Steinbrenner was basically in power, you know, until late uh, 2003. So I'm sure Cashman didn't have a ton of leverage uh, from 1998 to 2003. But nonetheless, he's been the general manager since 1998. So he's outlasted Dan Duquette. 
He's outlasted Theo Epstein. He's outlasted Ben Sherrington. He's outlasted Dave Dombrowski. And if the Red Sox stay in the toilet, he might outlast Heim Bloom. That's five. Five Red Sox executives. Now, granted, I mean, this century, we've gotten the better of them, as Cody pointed out, and we've won four titles to their, I guess, two. Does 2000 count as this century, or is that the last year of the previous one? I get those mixed last up. Last year, the previous, yeah. It's, yeah. it's 2001 to 10, 1 to 0, 1 to 0 every time. Okay, so it's 4 to 1 in favor of the Red Sox, but um but it's just crazy that that cashman's lasted this long and i would have fired him a long time ago personally but um but it is what it is yeah i mean i i wish i could, i wish i could say that that's different i wish i could say oh yeah this rivalry is excellent like this is the, the best thing in baseball i wish i could appreciate that rivalry now you know all of us are a little bit older. We watch a little bit more baseball. It's not like we have a bedtime anymore or anything like that. But man, oh man, I just it, it's just not the same. It doesn't have the same punch. There are other other leagues that have bigger rivalries. Even you know, college, as Cody was talking about. Like I'm not a big college football person. I didn't go to a big football school. So for me, I could care less about college football. It means nothing to me. I could care less. Um, and rivalries, you know, to his point, you know not necessarily needing to win half the games, but at least make them interesting. I mean, at least make them fun. There's gotta be something exciting. And I mean, something more exciting than some bum like Tyler Austin coming up to the mound and trying to start a fight. Like that's, that's nothing. I, I miss those days when, you know, th- there was a major marquee player that was supposed to go to our team that went to the other one. That I think was the beginning of that whole rivalry was that that's what started it all. Um, at least for that decade. Um, Things were not going right, and that was just another one. When he came to Boston, he was booed, and we were PO'd. We were pretty upset. And uh, just one thing after another just started to spiral out of control. People getting hit, people you know, not getting happy, but it's you know, just not the same rivalry it once was. Uh, Cody, what was your uh, hot take tonight? The hot take that I wanted to talk about, um, you know, Tonight came from Weddo at Mr. Green 1596. Red Sox ownership being cheap is due to the fact that they will pay Otani $500 million next year in the offseason to bring his talents from the sunny shores of California to to the friendly confines of, of Fenway Park. Um, this would be a, a scintillating uh, hot take. I would love for this to be true, um, you know, to be able to get Otani's talents in, in our lineup to be able to inject that production on, you know, both sides of the ball, as they say, right off the mound and in the batter's box, I think would do wonders. Um, you know, perhaps we're building that bridge with Masataka Yoshida. Uh, maybe we're getting some other international players. Um, I personally don't see the logic here. I don't see how this is necessarily going to pan out um you know this would be the longest of long plays um again would love to see it i don't necessarily i, I can't follow the breadcrumbs um this has been a front office uh, whether it be behind bloom whether it be ownership um that has in lieu of the monster deals apart from devers opted to go with short-term veteran uh deals or team-friendly deals or you know just minimal value minimal money uh kind of committed type contracts and so for us to finally get all of this financial flexibility that we have discussed being you know an objective for us in the offseason is to blow kind of all of that in one for one player um you know as revolutionary as he is i i just find it hard to believe what are y'all's thoughts terry 
So I'm pulling up his page right now because I want to see who his agents are. CAA Sports. Okay, so Scott Boris is not um, Shohei Otani's agent. And I don't think Shohei really needs an agent. (laughs) I think he's just going to name his price and that's going to be that. But there's a faction of Red Sox fans that are holding out hope that are trying to make cases in their heads that Shohei Otani could possibly end up in Boston and it'll be this majestic moment. It would probably the biggest, most hyped signing uh, since Pedro Martinez, who was actually brought in via a trade, but the excitement level I think would be uh, comparable there. Um, but the bad news is it's just not in the cards. So many stars have to align here. The Red Sox have to want him really bad. Shohei Otani would have to be actually open to playing in the Northeast, one of the coldest regions in the United States. It might be a little bit colder to play at Target Field in Minneapolis where the Twins play. Uh, than perhaps Fenway, but it, it's pretty cold up here. You see, you see the players wearing those ski masks type things. I forget what they're called, but and there was a Blue Jays, no, not a Blue Jays player, a Rays player wearing one of those. Just a, I don't know, last week, first week of June, he's got this thing on his face because it's apparently cold. I don't know. We're like two and a half weeks from summer at that point, and he's wearing one of those. But anyway, I didn't think I'd go on a ski mask rant, but. Um, but anyway, so they mutually would have to want, you know, to, you know, have him play here. And then the Red Sox would have to win the bidding war over everyone else. And it's just not going to happen. You know, I'm sure, I mean, most of us, including myself, fell for uh, what I guess we can call the Freddie Freeman hoax that we were like finalists for Freddie Freeman. How amazing would that have been? But, um, but we were never really in it and I'm sure the Red Sox will be connected and Heim Bloom, if he still in fact has his job, will say the standard, Oh, well, we're not ruling out anything on anyone, you know, and it's just not going to happen. Shohei Otani is probably going to be a Los Angeles Dodger or maybe a San Diego Padre. They did offer Aaron Judge $400 million, uh, and that was after the Bogarts deal, by the way. So they had already spent all that money. And I don't think the Padres want to be the team that doesn't end up with them, but I think the Dodgers have the biggest checkbook. The Trevor Bauer money will be off the books for them. Uh, I think their only huge contract is really Mookie Betts, isn't it? Uh, no, the Dodgers have. The, oh well, the, Freeman, the Dodgers, I guess. But yeah, that's Fre- not- Freeman's another big one. Yeah, they, they have they have a couple. Um, I think they actually have, and they also have dead money that they're still paying. If I'm not mistaken, let me see real quick. Uh, they have, I think, the third or fourth highest payroll really? in in baseball. Yeah, if if I'm not mistaken, I'm going to actually do a quick little check on that because I think the Dodgers are. Third or fourth? Let me see. Because the Yankees are second, the Mets are first, Padres are up there. Padres are third. Maybe Dodgers are fourth. Let me see. I, all right, misspoke. So, so the Dodgers are fifth. The Phillies are fourth. Um, they have a two hundred twenty-two million dollar payroll. Freddie Freeman is getting big money. Jason Hayward is wrapping his up. Kershaw got a one-year deal. To your point, yeah, there's only two big 
big deals here. After this year, it goes from 222 million to 75 of guaranteed money. Uh, and that's predominantly uh, Freeman and Mookie Betts and then Chris Taylor. Everybody else is on um, short-term or arbitration deals. And Freeman's relatively short-term, if I'm not mistaken. He's only going to have four or five years left after this year. So uh, really, five years. Mookie's their only real big contract. I'm I'm calling it right now. He's Shohei Otani will be wearing Dodger blue next season. Wow. Jump um, down. That's incredible. Um, so if, if I had to put my two cents on it, um, I think it's an interesting take. And we've talked about it briefly a couple times. So to uh, Weto, uh, we appreciate you you sharing your hot take here. Will the Red Sox ownership be cheap, continue being cheap so that we can pay $500 million for Otani? Terry brought up something that was really, really important, was the fact that the weather is going to play a huge part of this decision. I do not think that somebody is going to really – warm up no no joke here warm up to the idea of leaving sunny la one of the biggest markets to join a cold city also one of the biggest markets but not really a team that is showing that they're playing for a world series title every year and i think that's going to be something that plays into uh show his decision when he does end up with another team i don't think he's going to end up with the angels and i think that's going to be the reason why i don't pick the angels moving forward for my al west uh, team to win the division. I've done it three years in a row, and I haven't won. I figured maybe maybe we get lucky. I I think it's possible he ends up joining the Dodgers. I, I I very much do think it's possible. You also can't can't you know forget about some other teams that just have no regard for any amount of money that needs to be spent to win a team, and that's of course the Mets. And it's just insane to think that maybe. The Mets could eclipse four hundred million to get Shohei Otani. Would it surprise me? No. Will the Red Sox win the bidding war on a player? No. It's just not going to happen. It hasn't happened for years. It's not going to happen again. So um, I think, especially because you know this is a, a team that went above and beyond to overpay for players that no other teams were even serious on, and. I bought in the fact that we were serious about Freddie Freeman. I really thought there was an opportunity that we were going to light it up and get it done, and we just did not it just didn't happen so um i don't think the red sox are going to buck the trend and all of a sudden you know change it up and and become big spenders to get shohei otani and, and real quick yeah. i mean the the angels don't expect to be trading uh otani at least that's the talk out of anaheim so they could possibly let him go for nothing not get a major haul that would probably boost their farm system seven or eight spots in the rankings you know in the farm system rankings that's just crazy to me i I gotta believe there's at least a 30 or 40 percent chance they you know by the middle of summer they work out a crazy long-term extension that probably will be worth about 500 million a half a billion dollars because if if they let him walk, I mean, that's the most angels move ever. Like that's why they're a trash organization, and I don't know how they could look themselves in the mirror that they let it all go down that way. Unless Otani himself insists that he wants to test the market, much like Mookie did uh, when he was in Boston. I don't see how they don't, they don't just go for it. We most certainly will see uh, what, what ends up happening. Um, 
if there's nothing else to add, our uh, third hot take comes to us from a troll account, uh, Alex from Boston, real Alex Martini, uh, with a duck wearing a Bruins little cover. Bastards of Boston is an F-tier Red Sox Twitter sphere page. Wow. I mean, why? Alex, I just, I asked you why. And there's, there's really, there's no substance behind your, uh, I guess, blind and just unguided, like hatred towards us. But there's, there's really nothing to it. There's, there's, there's nothing that I'm going to learn from your, your tweet that was not positive. First off, your troll account. I mean, you don't even have the stones to put a picture of yourself on there. You see all of us on there. You know what we look like. We have no idea what you look like. You're just your keyboard warrior. You're you're like wet paint. You're meaningless. You're you're like a mushroom. There's there's nothing special to you. And unfortunately, there's there's nothing we're gonna we're gonna get from that. It's just a, a useless, I just wanna be, I just wanna get my two seconds of fame here. And that's how you're gonna do it. So congratulations. You got to be mentioned on a I'd like to call it a not F type Twitter sphere podcast around the Red Sox. Um, we're an abundantly clear and openly honest that talks highly about the Red Sox when we do well, poorly when we don't do well. We're just honest. We're not always going to say we're the best team in Major League Baseball and we're not sure why we're not winning World Series. You're probably in that boat where you think that the Boston Red Sox are the best team in Major League Baseball, and there's no one even remotely close. And you're just wrong on it. There's, there's just, there's just nothing in your take that is that's rich. You're just, you just want your, you just want your two seconds of fame. That's literally at you, you, you offer nothing. I can keep going, but I'm gonna hit pause and let Cody take over for me, and then after Cody, we'll let Terry weigh in it, and after that, we'll see where we're at. Cody, please. It's always nice to be able to have interactions with, uh, you know, we'll put some air quotes around fans here uh, for this particular individual. Um, you know, we appreciate you coming to our page. Uh, you know, thank you for the interactions. Thank you for the comments. Um, you know, we we followed the thread a little bit there to kind of see what what your thoughts and your reasonings were behind why we are an F tier podcast. And, you know, it's the shock value. It's the overly pessimistic um, kind of takes or opinions. But, you know, I started, like kind of mentioned, right? We're trying to do the best by the listeners, do the best by the people that are kind of hanging around in our atmosphere. And we're trying to do that with honesty. Um, you know, this team hasn't been uh, to the level that we would have liked, obviously, as fans, um, as people that you know, have championship aspirations. And we're going to be frank about that. Um, you know, you can put lipstick on a pig and tell yourself, hey, this team has an opportunity to win however many games you think they're going to win. And I think out of all of us, I'm probably the most optimistic. And you know, it's been it's been tough at times, right? It's a it's an uphill battle because the team just hasn't been to to where we would like it. Um, but you know, again, we we appreciate your uh, your input on our abilities, I suppose. And uh, I think Charlie has something else you'd like to add here. Absolutely, I think you're an absolute coward who hides behind a computer screen just typing it on your keyboard. I don't appreciate your takes. I think you're useless. I think you're more useless than your takes, Terry. Please. <laughs> Alex, uh, here's the bad news, uh, and I don't I don't flaunt these very much uh, on the actual podcast. Um, I I do it on Twitter every now and then, but um, you know, the month of April we did twenty eight thousand downloads. Okay, 
month of May, we did 32,000 downloads. We're ranked around other podcasts. Or on this very day, we are in the MLB Top 100. I think we were ranked uh, number 71 in all of MLB, um, which is pretty good. And as I was just getting to, most of the podcasts around us have established media people on them. And a lot of them even have an ex-player on them. And we're just five dudes with full-time jobs. And we're competing with these people. So not only are we, you know, somewhat successful, we're thriving. And who knows where the ceiling really is for us? Because this, as I've been calling it, the Bloom era is the Great Depression of Red Sox baseball. We 75% of the time Hein Bloom can't even beat the fourth place team. We're in last. And we're still a very highly successful podcast. Another thing that's not- notable about us, and and you know, to the ire of all our haters, I think when we did our preseason predictions here, the most wins any host would give this team was 83. So tentatively all five of us had us missing the postseason. I guarantee you all the other podcasts that are competitive with us, most of them probably had the Red Sox make, making the postseason because they're homers and they can't be realistic about it. We're very realistic about it. And that's, that's a huge recipe for our success is the fact we're willing to be realistic. We're willing to tell it like it is. Now, could the Red Sox go on this run and, and make the postseason and then we're wrong? Yeah, it's possible. But, you know, the writing on the wall, we've got really no depth. We're, we're badly injured. Um, I don't know who our if if James Paxton were to get injured tomorrow, who's our fifth starter? It's no one on the farm. And you could put Kluber or Paxton or Kluber or Pavetta back in there, but there's just no depth. And you know, Hein Bloom isn't going to go get Corbin Burns at the deadline. Not that the Brewers are are definitely going to trade him, but we're just not we're we're just not very well positioned this year. And as I was saying, I mean, we're well on our way to a, another last place finish, but we're still thriving. We're still building a huge audience, and you know, we march to the beat of a different drum. And I I think people appreciate that. And the last thing I'll say is I love the fact we have haters because they talk about us and that's what you want. You want your podcast to be talked about. And if it weren't for haters, we might not, we might not have gotten to where we are today. So, um, I, you know, the fact that Alex is mad, I think it's adorable. <laughs> so <laughs> that's, uh, that's what I have to say. I, I don't know if there's going to be anything that anybody can do to top that. So Terry, thank you for putting it so eloquently because I let my emotion get the best of me, but sometimes that's okay. I, I don't hide behind the keyboard. You know what I look like. You want to say something? Feel free to you know at me or DM me like some of these other people on here. But I'm not bashful about the the feelings that I have. I'm not bashful about my takes. I don't think any of us are. 
I'm very open. I'm very honest. When it's not working, it's not working. I'm not going to pretend like it is. So, Terry, you brought up some some spectacular facts to back up your points. And unfortunately, this clown over here just had no points to bring up. Just nothing. Just a nothing. But uh, unless there's anything else that you guys want to add, perfect. Right on. Well, that's going to do it for all of us tonight. I want to appreciate and uh, thank all of you, whether you are a first-time listener or a long-time listener of our podcast. We appreciate all of you, whether you're a lover or a hater or a loser. It's all good to that person. We appreciate all of you, whether you're listening to us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. We thank you. Everyone have a great night. You all take care.